Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Uh, this is Liam, my producer. Hello. I'm Lauren. Thank you so much for tuning in and a big thank you especially to our live viewers. We really appreciate it. And if you're watching this and you want to support the show, don't forget you can head over to blazetv.com forward slash Lauren. Use the code Lauren to save money on your annual subscription. Plus it just helps support the show, helps Definitely. us out. Um, yep. For sure. And if you are watching this and you're live on the stream, you can also give uh, super chats. And usually we save those questions until after after the show, after the stream. But uh, today we're actually going to be doing it uh, maybe 45 minutes in. So yeah. definitely if you have anything to ask us. We have an experiment. Give us yeah. some feedback too if you have any feedback about Send that. Send it there. Uh, yeah. Be on your best behavior though because we are thinking of keeping this in the show this time. Right. So... Uh You've been warned. Uh, aside from that, though, we're starting off with the New York Times and CNN's attack on right-wing commentators, that whole making of a YouTube radical piece that's been going around. A lot to say about that, as well as the uh, the guy that it's about. Uh, then we talk about lazy dads, just fathers. Are they Do they suck not helping out their wives at all, not taking care of their children? That seems to be a prevailing narrative. We're going to dissect that. Uh, then we're going to be talking about little bit of a touchy subject, but uh, female teachers raping their male students. Notice I said rape, not having sex with, because that's the proper word, rape. Uh, then we're going to finish things off with women's spo sports, specifically women's soccer, then into the Q&A. Um, okay, so there, there's this piece that's been going around, uh, the YouTube radical piece. And it started getting a lot of attention. And before before I read it, I was seeing everyone talk about it. It was being tweeted about, like people were making videos about it. Um, so without kind of knowing and having read the piece myself, uh, I, I just knew that, you know, this guy had gotten radicalized by right-wing YouTubers and there was this big like expose hit piece. Um, so my first thought was kind of like, oh crap, like heaven forbid has some crazy far right person like done something violent has there been another like Christchurch knock on wood and they're kind of going through uh you know the manifesto of the guy or his online history or whatever it was like I was like people are making a big deal about it so clearly this something major must have happened um it was also the this piece was the like one of the headline stories of the Sunday paper um so I finally read it kind of wondering like oh my gosh like what's happened who is this guy that's been radicalized and de-radicalized de what has he done turns out he's just like a guy yeah he, he's he didn't he's, do anything he's pretty regular run of the mill yeah just like a random guy what's the craziest thing he did is date an evangelical is that what it was yeah like, like we're gonna uh, get into that but like that was yeah. a kind of a okay like i, I don't know the, the the way that people were talking about it, i expected it to be some like huge like revelation but like no just like literally this random guy whose political opinions changed but anyway um so we're gonna be reading a bit of that article and uh, you'll see, just from the get-go, author makes it very clear that uh, we're making this person's alleged radicalization YouTube's fault. So we have part of the article here. Starts off, Mr. Kane, 26, recently swore off the alt-right nearly five years after discovering it and has become a vocal critic of the movement. He is scarred by his experience of being radicalized by what he calls a decentralized cult of far-right YouTube personalities who convinced him that Western civilization was under threat from Muslim immigrants and cultural Marxists, that innate IQ differences explained racial disparities, and that feminism was a dangerous ideology. I just kept falling deeper and deeper into this, and it appealed to me because it made me feel a sense of belonging, he said. I was brainwashed. I don't know if you can get brainwashed that quickly by a couple of YouTube videos, but I mean... 
I don't know if he's got much intellectual agency. This yeah, guy. doesn't that, that's seem what like you might that. Pick up. Yeah. Uh, the person, the writer continues, over years of reporting on internet culture, I've heard countless versions of Mr. Kane's story. An aimless young man, usually white, frequently interested in video games. <laughs> like, I love yeah. that. Just like throw in the video games. Visits YouTube looking for direction or distraction and is seduced by a community of far-right creators. Some young men discover far-right videos by accident while others seek them out. Some travel all the way to neo-Nazism while others stop at milder forms of bigotry. I think that's us. Yeah, I think they literally are talking about people <laughs> yeah. like us. Um, the common thread in many of these stories is YouTube and its recommendation algorithm, the software that determines which videos appear on users' homepages and inside the up-next sidebar next to a video that is playing. The algorithm is responsible for more than 70% of all time spent on the site. Now, that is a huge, huge number. Um, and I mean, obviously, our views aren't in the 70% kind of range, but no. yeah, that's fine. Um, so kind of just based off of that, uh, you can kind of see where they're going with this, right? They the, From the headline to talking about the algorithm, they're trying to shift blame onto YouTube. Like you are responsible for this. You are why this person dared to well we'll get we'll get into what is Just actually like beliefs last week were. with Mazza, right? Yeah. Same 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 idea where they're pressuring the company itself. Yeah. And uh, the thing with this is like I, I feel split about this because on the one hand I hate that YouTube keeps capitulating to these people. Yeah. But they are like people like that and like Mazza, they really are kind of holding YouTube and saying, this is your fault. Do something about this. Like, I can understand why YouTube feels pressure. They have monetary um, incentive to, to act, right? To act, right. Which is what a business sh should feel pressure to do. But I mean, you know? I just, it's annoying how this small number of people is wielding this huge amount of like societal and like corporate change because like they complain to the advertisers. Right. And they're not most people, but because the advertisers see all this feedback coming in, they kind of like assume, oh, maybe everyone does feel this way. Absolutely. And so they pull out, but it's like none none of this is representative of what the average person wants. Um, but what makes this even more confusing, and we've kind of like alluded to this, is that according to his own words, uh, what's his name, Caleb's own words, he was never even really alt-right. Like the, right, the article yeah. starts off like, yeah, five years since discovering it, he's disavowed the alt-right. It's like... He was never all right. right. I mean, that'd be like me saying like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm disavowing Scientology. <laughs> I was never part of it, was never one. But I'm just like, it, it, it's it's a, like sensationalist headline. His actual views, uh, according to this article, um, are here we go. Mr. Kane never bought into the far right's most extreme views like Holocaust denial or the need for a white ethno state, he said. Still, far-right ideology bled into his daily life. He began referring to himself as a tradcon, a traditional conservative. Spooky. He, traditional yeah. plus conservative. That's just, that's bad news bears. It is a bad name, to be honest. Tradcon, yeah. <laughs> Committed to old-fashioned gender norms. What a bigot. Practically a Nazi. He dated an evangelical Christian woman. Yikes. And he fought with his liberal friends. <laughs> Can you imagine? It was kind of sad. That sounds like my way. life. What the heck? What's <laughs> yeah. going on here? Yeah, well, you you would definitely fall under, like, YouTube radical, according to these people. It was kind of sad, said Zelda Waite, a friend of Mr. Kane's from high school. I was just like, wow, what happened? How do you get, how did you get this way? Um, so, just based off of that, and Tim Poole has brought this up. He's done quite a few videos on this, on this story. We we have a, a guy who started off kind of just, like, generally, generally liberal, um, 
watched some YouTube videos by people like Ben Shapiro, um, identified as a trad con and, you know, appreciated traditional gender roles, dated a Christian, and now he's back to being a liberal. How this is like a front page story, I have no idea. Yeah. And uh, that's the thing. Like, I think these people are just so hungry right now. The momentum is going to get YouTube to really just like digitally shun any right wing content. They're trying to like they're all feeding off each other off these stories to get a snowball effect going so yep. that YouTube feels pressure. I mean, I think they're getting ready for the next election, right? That's, yeah, that's all no, part of the plan. They want all of like all of the infrastructure in place to silence and stop the spread of any not even necessarily right wing, but anti-progressive videos. Right. So that by the time 2020 rolls around, it's not too obvious and it's like it's already been done. And we're not only competing with them in terms of a political view, but also from like a monetary standpoint, a lot of these sites that that like The Blaze and things like that, they're news sites, right? Yeah. So they are direct competitors in terms of news as well. Yeah. So, so it's like we're competing for views, ideology, and ad money. So there's right. like there's a lot at stake. I think that's why places like the new york times and vox are like pushing this so hard um regarding this this guy though caleb kane this person who has like this front page feature on the new york times um so i i really wasn't familiar at all with him until this piece was published uh, he has like a, a youtube channel of his own that he runs and the the first thing he posted on it and i think how he kind of has become known and i think how this author found him was he did a video titled my descent into the alt-right pipeline okay this is confusing because you said you weren't alt-right like you said you didn't want like a a, a white ethno state which is kind of like i think the alt-right has like all these little fringe things and like competing factions but kind of like the unifying factor would be the ethno state so it's like i mean your descent into the alt-right pipeline but then not going into it pretty much i just saw some of their videos like maybe that's not as catchy of a title but that seems to be more of an accurate description of what happened so but anyway i, I watched the video it's it's like 40 minutes and in it he says that he, he admits he didn't go all the way into fascism but he says that especially during the trump election he and this is a direct quote entertained ideas of a strong leader and a unified party oof he says he he also says he saw hierarchies as genuine and justified. This I mean this guy is he's pretty much Hitler, so that's kind of shocking. Um he then goes, okay, so one of the things that I will admit seems to be oh no, we have a loose jelly bean in the studio. Yeah, you might hear some disturbances, folks. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Uh but one of the things that I think is probably the most radical view that he actually claims to have had is he go he talks about expelling the invaders or Muslims. Uh, so that that actually is like legitimately farther right, not something that's in the mainstream conservatism. Mm -hmm. um, and then he he also talks about how he sympathized with memes throwing Muslims out of, out of helicopters, sorry, communists and Muslims out of helicopters. Um, so I don't know, based on the article and that video, honestly, it doesn't seem like this guy has ever held like either now or back then when he was like a trad con a coherent or well-informed political ideology yeah absolutely it doesn't seem like someone that really had any sort of autonomy with his thought and that, that's ultimately no. what this whole thing is about right like you're an adult you're responsible for your views you're responsible for educating yourself youtube you still have to click the next recommended video right? yeah like you still i have mean to watch it yeah like even even if you're sitting at your laptop you're not doing anything and then like on on your screen appears triumph of the will 
you you still don't have to watch it. Like you yeah. you can still leave it even if you do watch it. You don't have to become you don't have to agree with what these people are telling you. Absolutely. You have agency. It really just seems like he he was kind of treating politics almost like a tribe. Like just like so, somewhere like and he talks about how him being lonely kind of factored into it. Like he just wanted somewhere to belong. Um and like you know what? People change political views and That's- Fine. That's fine, right. right? But it kind of seemed like this guy went from opposite extremes and back again in the span of just a handful of years. And that kind of tells me like there's something weird about it. It's like attention the people, seeking, perhaps, yeah, maybe attention like seeking, or it's like it's like the people who jump from religion to religion to religion. I, I've known yeah. people like that. Like they have their Buddhist phase and then their Always Kabbalah the phase, phase, and then you know, they just and then their Hindu phase. It's like they're searching for something. Yeah. To have meaning or belonging, and they don't really have any like strong guidance or idea of what to do themselves. So, like that's just kind of the, and I don't mean that to sound overly harsh, but it just it seems to me like that's kind of what was going on with this guy. And you know, to kind of blame that all on YouTube. And I actually I think not only does he did he never really have a coherent ideology, but I do think like based on that video, um, he's. I think he knows that he's feeding into this sort of leftist fear that, oh, no, it's YouTube that's doing it, right? Because um, he could have alternatively titled his video, um, I was radicalized, or sorry, I used to fear Muslim people, but I don't anymore. And that would be like an accurate description of yeah. what happened. Like he he used to like think they were shady and now he doesn't. So that's, that's He's a little fine. bit conniving. Yeah. You know, like he, yeah, this is, this could be orchestrated in the sense. It gives him a lot of yeah, views he, on his I mean, YouTube he, channel now, he's, right? He's making videos saying I was radicalized. He doesn't seem to be particularly radical, maybe anti-Muslim, but he wasn't alt-right or anything through the YouTube algorithm. It's like, you're placing the onus all on YouTube. Like you're just this passive yeah. person. Um, and case in point to that, actually, he gave this interview with CNN that kind of makes it seem Like he actually was alt right. Like this interview, it was released on YouTube today. I don't know when it aired on like, what's that thing older people have? Yeah, um, cable. Uh, It was, yeah. So I don't know if he's like maybe trying to portray it like now he actually was farther right than what he was, but you guys can check this out and let me know what you think. The things that you came to believe because of these videos, you came to believe that other races were inferior to whites, that feminists were overly aggressive and women I think were inferior to men. You believed that, I guess, Muslims were trying to take over Western civilization or immigrants were. And how do you explain how you came to absorb those extreme views so much? Well, it was mostly due to the people that I was listening to. The people that I was listening to were selling me a narrative that, you know, cultural Marxists and, you know, immigrants and Muslims and basically liberals were trying to destroy Western civilization. So I don't know. It's like, what, what were your views, man? Like, were you just like, were you just a trad con who's dating a Christian woman and like arguing with liberal friends or were you like this? And is that radical? Like, yeah, that's like, what trying to be painted as. Yeah, which sense, I don't right? think it is. Is or, that alt-right? You know? Or were you this like white supremacist, like Muslim bigot? Like, and I, is that YouTube's fault if that is true? Yeah, so right? there's, I don't know, just this feels like very intellectually... I don't know, squishy, like not robust. Yeah. I don't know what the right word would be. It's just, I don't, yeah. And yeah, I would say this guy seems pretty self-serving to me. Um, do you think that there is any problems with the way that YouTube recommends videos in the sense that, you know, it, it 
it does create echo chambers, right? Do you think that there is a problem with that at all? Or do you think that, that it's something that we as adults and, and people in society should educate ourselves in things maybe like logic or uh, just maybe altering the algorithm a bit so you have opposing no, well, views in there? No, I don't, I, don't think it's, I don't think that's YouTube's job at all to make sure that you are given a di diverse amount of, I don't know, content. I mean, I think the thing is, the way the YouTube algorithm used to work was that like if uh, a video was getting a lot of views and I think if like subscribers who were watching that video were also watching something else, then you would also get yeah. kind of that. Like they were kind of like working in clusters from what, what I could see um, based on similar interests. And it was kind of objective, right? It was based on things like um, watch time, engagement, tags, search results, uh, like common subscribers and things like that. And I think that's that's fine. And it's like, if, if you're just like a platform, you want to be able to like have your your material really readily available for your viewers. But it's like, that's the most objective way to do it is to, just to focus on metrics like that. Um, but what the left is, is keeping on trying to get YouTube to do is to turn into like almost teachers of people yes, right now yeah, they're true. responsible for shaping people's opinions which is n not what people curating content yeah curating content so it's like a if you do that you should be you're you're a publisher you can't claim to be a platform anymore and then i mean b e even if we say okay fine like get rid of what you think is like hateful content wh why why is what's hateful content automatically what's hateful content according to like the far progressive left? Um, the Google CEO, CEO actually did an interview. I think it was after this whole um, like hate speech or sorry, radicalization piece came out. And he like, he pretty much comes out and says like, yeah, we, we're, we've already started trying to like roll back the recommends. Like we've talked about that on the show before and you know, Push recommend more uh, yeah authoritative content um yeah. let, let's check out that that video more recently we have introduced you know just like today we do this in search we you know we rank content based on quality and so we're bringing that same notion and approach to youtube so that we can rank higher quality stuff better and really prevent uh borderline content content which doesn't exactly violate policies which need to be removed but which can still cause harm i think we are making a lot of progress but the thing we are trying to do is to bring more authoritative uh, sources and fact checks on videos which may be controversial. I had never seen the uh, the YouTube C or sorry the Google CEO before. No, I had no idea. Yeah, I've seen a lot of interviews actually. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen anything with him. Um, so yeah, they the, they are already they announced in January. Um, and based on our channel's data, we're pretty sure they started experimenting with it about six months before they announced it anyway, um, yeah. determining what is borderline hateful content. And Milder then just- Milder forms of bigotry. Yeah, exactly. You yes. know, just classic conservatism essentially, and then yeah. not recommending it. And so like now only, not only are they not recommending like borderline, i.e. conservative content, but they're also then saying like, if you watch a Ben Shapiro video, they're gonna offer you CNN. Like they're gonna give you yeah. the authoritative source. Like, he, okay, so you saw that, and because you search for it and subscribe to it, we didn't really want you to, but you did, you found it. Um, so now we're gonna try to correct you. That's like, I think if more people understood what YouTube was trying to do to their opinions, they wouldn't like that. I yeah. don't like that at all. No, absolutely. I mean, part of me is like, 
if you're a responsible adult, you should be getting your news from multiple sources, right? right? You should be trying to cross check their facts and everything like that. And, and so I think there is a danger to getting all your news from one place, one site, one kind of echo chamber. Um, but I don't think that YouTube should be the arbiter of truth. No, and it's right? not their That's responsibility. The we didn't, yeah. when we started watching YouTube, when we started uploading videos to YouTube, when we started like commenting and creating a YouTube political community, we weren't doing it on YouTube because we were like, hey, let's have these guys decide what is and what is not true for like that's not why people are interested in you i hope that youtube eventually either is forced to kind of rectify or i don't know reconcile the fact that they can't be both platform and publisher depending on what's yeah. most convenient with them i hope that maybe that they they're forced to make that decision um with a lawsuit or, or something like that uh, or they finally turn around and look at these people who are showing up at their doors with a different witch hunt, like literally every day, it seems, and tell them where to shove it. That's what I would do with them. It's just like, you know what? We've tried to please you guys. Um, like you're going after every advertiser. So it's like you're hurting our fin financial bottom line. Our like our our views are down as a whole because we keep recommending people content that they don't actually want. So you guys can, I don't know, build your own platform. That's what I hope that they'll do. I don't think... <sighs> I don't think they will, though. Yeah, that's a pipe dream. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Those are my opinions on that. I've seen like a lot of other videos about it. So I thought we'd weigh in. Uh, next up, we have lazy dads. There's this idea, and we hear about it a lot, that dads just don't work as hard as moms do. They're just lazier. Being a mom is the hardest job in the world. Hardest job in the world. Um, not the dad, just the mom. And, you know, you we have this almost like cultural stereotype of the long-suffering mother doing all the work, and then you have the lazy dad, right? You have, like, Simpsons, Family Guy, ton of sitcoms kind of operate under that, like, oh, yeah. stupid, lazy, drunk dad, and the mom's doing all the work. Um, I, I love my mom and moms in general is super important, but I, I do think it is strange how we treat them so differently. Um, and th there's even mainstream media pieces about it. Um, like the guardian kind of, if you actually read the article, it talks about like housework is especially stuff between parents says, want to be a male ally, start by helping clean the house because men like they don't, they don't help with anything. Whoa, that makes me kind of think about Jordan Peterson. And it's like, he wants me to clean my room. So maybe he's in on all this. Uh, maybe. Con, yeah. Or know? maybe alternatively, maybe the guardian is actually like some sort of like Jordan Pearson-esque oh. <laughs> far right neo-Nazi figure. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. both telling men to clean things. Um, and yeah, there was actually an even like a, this full article that was from the New York Times. Oh my God. They just like, you guys, thank you for the content in New York Times. Really, but you, you really need to maybe do some soul searching about what you're putting out there. Um, it's this piece called what good dads get away with good is in like quotation, like not really good, but what people say is good. Uh, this, this writer writes when my husband and I became parents a decade ago, we were not prepared for the ways in which sexism was about to express itself in our relationship. Like me, he was enthralled by our daughters. Like him, I worked outside of the home. And yet I was the one who found myself in charge of managing the details of our children's lives. Too often, I'd spend frantic days looking for spring break childcare only to hear him ask, oh, there's no school tomorrow? Or we'd arrive home late with two tired kids, and instead of spearheading their nighttime routine, he'd disappear to brush his own teeth. Unless I pointed out these lapses, which he'll tell you I often did, and I'll tell you I often did not, he was unaware. We've all heard this story before. 
Well, I, I don't. I have. <laughs> no, me neither. No. Um, thinking about my own relationship and watching the other couples I knew, I kept wondering, why is this still happening? The optimistic tale of the modern involved dad has been greatly exaggerated. The amount of childcare men performed rose throughout the 1980s and 90s, but then began to level off without ever reaching parity. Mothers still shoulder 65% of childcare work. In academic journals, family researchers caution that the culture of fatherhood has changed more than father's actual behavior. Oh, I question the academic journals. Like, I want to see <laughs> yeah. which ones they are, you know? <laughs> and how did they measure this? Like, yeah. what is the like, culture of fatherhood anyway? Just the grievance studies at it again. <laughs> Sociologists attribute the discrepancy between mother's expectations and reality to a largely successful male resistance. This resistance is not being led by socially conservative men whose like-minded wives often explicitly agree to take the lead in the home. How dare they? Yeah. How dare they? Uh, it is happening instead with relatively progressive couples, and it takes many women who thought their partners had made a prenatal commitment to equal parenting by surprise. Why are their partners failing to pitch in more? Um, so to clarify, like I don't know anything about this specific woman's marriage no. what her husband's like i don't i don't know what's going on with them um and i do think that like husband and husbands and wives men and women father and mothers uh, fathers and mothers should absolutely have equal kind of like burden or responsibility yeah. in a relationship i don't know however a you diffusion of it. responsibility but i also want to say that if like a progressive father seems lethargic at home uh you know he isn't helping out with the kids so much it's kind of just laying around on the couch Maybe lower his his oh, yeah. mandatory soy latte intake it's, from four it's, down too to low three tea. or two. Yeah. You know, his energy is too low. He needs some tea. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, like, I think we're both on agreement there that there should be like yeah. equal equal help in uh, you know in a relationship. But does that mean splitting every task fifty fifty? That's right? that's exactly what I was getting at. So. I mean, let's say that there is a father who's working like I don't know a full time job and a mom who's working part time. Is it unreasonable to expect that the mother would do most of the housework? Absolutely not. See, I don't think so. But apparently, yes. Apparently, men are just lazy. I mean, because and we, we actually have uh, some other studies that we'll get to about this. But it's like, I, I feel like the, at the core of their argument, they're upset that men aren't working more in the house specifically well with the children specifically I yeah with, or i with suspect the that children all the yard work and maintenance of the house yeah. and everything like that i bet you it's the males doing it yeah unless they're hiring someone else but you know i bet you that that responsibility is falling more on on male shoulders than anyone else's yeah and she's not complaining about her husband not bringing home you know his share of money or anything like that it's like literally she's complaining about him like not helping like brush the kids teeth and stuff like that mm -hmm. um and like that it's just to me, it's kind of as if I were to complain that you, a producer, weren't spending enough time in front of the camera. Or if which, you... Which sometimes happens, yeah. but yes. <laughs> or, or if you were to complain that I wasn't doing enough editing. Yeah. It's no, like we have, we have different we have jobs, different jobs yes. and that's okay. Um, and like regarding the general idea that men don't do enough, we have um, this article, The Myth of the Lazy Father. And, you know, it is by the Institute for Family Studies, which you know, we've used before and we'll just say it is a, you know, conservative, uh, traditional family leaning source. So, you know, take, take that how you will. Um, but it says, I'll start with a fact that has been reported several times, yet mysteriously has never inspired think pieces in mainstream media outlets. Combining housework, childcare, and paid work, dads put in just as much time as moms do. In fact, a little more. I don't know. This sounds kind of 
sexist, but we'll see where they're going with this. The Pew Research Center found this in the 2011 American Time Youth Survey and again in the 2016 round. And a joint panel of the Brookings Institution and the American Enterprise Institute. Again, these these are also conservative think tanks. Yeah, we don't want to radicalize you with far-right thoughts here. Yeah, like the American Careful. Enterprise Institute and their radicals like Christina Hoffsons. And Pew Research Center. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Uh, confirmed the results using the 2015 data. If you take account of the fact that when both parents work for pay, dads tend to work longer hours at their jobs. Sorry, that was bad reading. Okay, if you take account of the fact that when both parents work for pay, dads tend to work longer hours at their jobs. Once again, using my combined ATA sample, I found remarkably similar time investments by working moms and dads in the same situations. In cases where the respondents works, in cases where the respondent works for pay and so does the respondent's spouse, dads do 62 hours of work total each week to mom's 59. In cases where both the respondent and the spouse work full work for pay full time, dads work 63 hours in total to mom's 62. And so we have this graph then. And if you're looking at this, you'll notice that in all situations, whether it's like both parents are working or, um, you know, both working full time or the dad full time mom at home, the dads are, are working more hours per week than the mom. The only case where that's not true is when there is a mom who's working full time and a dad at home. Yeah. Um. And so let, let's talk about that. So. Yeah, that one, that one made me raise my question mark there. Well, you know? the, the, the author does kind of explain that there's with, with women working full time and stay at home dads, like that kind of arrangement is becoming more common. Um, you know, as as there are more and more women who I think can potentially earn more than their husbands, I think yeah. for a lot of families, they might say, okay, you know what, we're going to make more money with you working as the dad, I'll stay home. Um, there are fewer examples of that, though. So the, the person who wrote the article did mention that because there are fewer examples, the people who the couples who are at the extreme, whereas like the dad is doing literally no work. Um, you know, kind like of like your, your stereotype yeah. deadbeat dad, like they're probably bringing down the average in very big ways. And there's just not enough of a, a, a sample to kind of balance that out. But, you know, for most people, it's just it's just not true to say that dads are working less. And maybe you can say that uh, fathers are contributing less to specifically housework or childcare. But again, like, I, I think it's ridiculous to assume that you have to split each segment of work equally right. like i'm for division of labor like, yeah that seems that seems radically inefficient to do it that way right yeah no so. and like the the person who wrote the uh, the new york times article calling her husband like literally sexist and lazy yes. yeah um she seems like a treat um in later on in that article she does go on to assert that men also work less in the workplace like she she goes on right. about like yeah how men they, they don't volunteer as much they just don't do as much in the workplace it's patently untrue that men don't work as many hours in the yeah, workplace. Yeah. Like that's actually part of what leads to the, the, the pay gap, the, the wage, wage gap. gap. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why she's so intent in pushing this narrative that like men just don't, don't do anything. It seems kind of like the female equivalent of the MGTOW people who assume like women are just trying to leech off of your resources. According to her, men are just trying to leech off of her resources and time. I would like to put her with like some sort of like, make tau guy together and see what happens that's like that's like when you put two of the same magnets together yeah and just either you know. either they're gonna just like attack each other or fall in love 50 <laughs> 50 um yeah so regarding i guess child care more generally um i do see that being involved in your child's life is different than like 
general childcare work. Yeah. Like I think regardless of who's making the lunches or cleaning up after the kid or paying for the lunches, both parents need to be there for like the soccer games, piano recitals, etc. Like that to me. Not the piano recitals. No, yes, the no. piano recitals and like the art exhibitions and that's things like that. Even Listen. if the kid takes modern art, both parents no, need no, that's, to be That's there. definitely not allowed. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is different than like, I, I wouldn't quantify that as work to me. That would be just like family time. Yeah. The boxing matches are starting at age five. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I, I honestly think most dads nowadays would agree with that um but if a dad works 50 to 60 hours a week and still manages to be there for the football games or the family nights or whatever it is he's not a bad guy and he's not lazy just because he doesn't vacuum correct yeah yeah it's like i mean for some stay-at-home moms for example it's like literally like that's your job while his job is going out like they're both work but it'd be like he him complaining that you're not filling out enough expense reports yeah it's like well I think that being a stay-at-home mom can be a fairly comfortable lifestyle too, right? Like you got yeah, a lot of room on to the go situation. visit friends with yeah. bring the I mean, kid and, you know. Maybe, maybe but, not, depending yeah. on like the amount it of disposable depend. income you have. Because oftentimes, like uh, I, I see like stay-at-home moms writing articles or whatever. A lot of their job is actually like trying to manage or stretch the money as far as possible. But you know, if you have couponing, a, and, couponing yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. But if you have a husband who you know who's bringing in a comfortable amount, then like yeah, his hard work will definitely make the the family lifestyle a lot more comfortable. Also right. depends on how many kids you have. Yes. Like if your husband's a millionaire and you have one kid, that's pretty nice. Like that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So I mean, maybe it's fair to say in the past that men were on average less involved with their kids' lives in terms of like being active, like teaching them how to ride a bike i don't know like that's just the imp- impression i get from the past oh yeah um, i don't get that impression i mean maybe like way back then like like 100 years ago yeah like but, yeah like but like even in the 80s i still think if it is no like in, yeah in, in the and, 80s you know. that's not that's not all okay. that long ago but okay. it's like yeah i mean like in the 50s for example i don't know how many i think there was a shift between like the household used to revolve around like the father like every mm-hmm. everybody was you know all the kids had to be well presented and always behaving well because it would reflect on the father and mother in a certain way. Um, whereas now, like, there's a lot more focus on the child rearing aspect. Kids, yeah. yeah. So maybe that that was part of that shift. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and something else I wanted to to bring up is that th- this kind of goes along with the whole narrative that women do a lot more unpaid work than men. Um, so a lot of feminists are upset by that, and they they think women should be like charging more for the unpaid work that they do. Um, so here's the thing. I looked this up. Women are part of at least 83% of all consumer spending in the U.S. So if, if they're not getting paid or compensated in any way for their work, whose paycheck are they spending? Right? I mean, like, they're, they're husbands, right? I mean, and I'm not saying that it's like that she's just using his money, but it's like you you can't say that you're not being paid for your work just because mm-hmm. you're not getting a check with your name on it. If like your partner or whatever is working full time and you you get to enjoy that as well, like although you know there's some sick pay. couples there that the woman will bill the husband at the end of every month. Oh, that would be so of- toxic! <laughs> like that would be so toxic. Yeah, there was a there was a Doctor Phil episode where the they're like I don't know how they, this this is totally way off track, but there was this couple and uh, like the wife wanted more spending money and the husband felt that he wasn't getting enough sex, so he started like. <laughs> As you know where this is going, you know, like as her sort of like on the side job, like kind of like giving her extra money when they and so they ended up on the Dr. Phil show is yeah. how that story plays out in case anyone is thinking, hey, maybe that sounds like a good idea. No, it caused a lot of problems for them. So uh, 
But yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a rough one. And on that, we move on to the next story. Uh, this actually one is is a lot, lot darker. Um, there's this news story out recently, and we see these a disturbing amount. I don't know if it's just yep. because they tend to get more attention or they really are happening that much. I don't know. I, I think feel it's like, probably the former. Yeah. You know, that it draws a lot of eyes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so here we go. From Fox News, Arizona teacher accused of having sex with 13-year-old student, 13, uh, asking friend to stand watch, pleads guilty. A former Arizona teacher who was accused of having sex with a 13-year-old student while another student kept lookout, pleaded guilty on Monday. Brittany Zamora, 28, was arrested in March 2018 after the student confessed to his parents that he was having sexual relations with the teacher after they began monitoring his phone with an app. The married teacher and her student allegedly engaged in sex acts multiple times in the woman's car and in her classroom, including one time they reportedly asked another male student, a friend of the boys, to keep watch. Okay, well, not only is the, she a terrible person, she's dumb. The ultimate wingman. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you think that one 13-year-old boy can keep that secret, and let alone trust two? A, t- a second one, wow. Nope. Uh, the friend told police that while he stood guard, they were just doing it. It was very uncomfortable, the Arizona Republic reported. I bet that would be uncomfortable, bet, little Timmy. Um, I bet you he's probably scarred from that one. Oh, that's yeah, a, yeah, oof. for sure. Like, that's... Um, so what's frustrating to me about stories like that, and I think to a lot of other people, is like, when this happens to... It's it's a female student at the hands of a male teacher. It's always called rape, yeah, right? Male, absolutely. like, teacher rapes student. Or even maybe they'll, they'll clarify, like, you know... Um, uh, statutory rape or whatever yes. but it's like it's always rape um anytime the gender roles are reversed it's you know s- teacher has sex with student yeah um the thing with age of consent laws means that people below that age cannot consent and if someone can't consent it it is rape um yeah. so it's just it's really disturbing especially like this fox news and like i mean I don't even think the person who wrote this, like, is aware of what they were doing. Like, you know, accused of having sex. They they had a sexual relationship. Like, all of this is kind of feeding into the idea that this was just, like, a normal consensual relationship that happened to be taboo. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Which which is not. I hear it from men all the time, actually, that they think, oh, wow, that kid's really lucky. You well, know? yeah. Well, um, we, we have another, like, there's another example. We have just, like, a, a headline of this kind of thing. 14-year-old student extorted $28,000 from the teacher he was having sex with, police say. Okay, first off, like, that kid is, like, pretty ballsy uh, yeah. with the rest of that story. But it's, like... In all ways. Like, was he extorting someone he was having sex with? Or was he asking for, like, I don't know, reparations from his rapist? Right? It's, like... It's all how you portray it. And when it's it's a boy, it's always like, oh, no, it's consensual. It's fine. Right. And you're right. Like a lot of men, older men, when they see stories like that. And I will say, like, I think like the the teacher from Arizona, Brittany Zamora, she's a good looking girl. Like she's she's a good looking woman. Uh, mentally, though, probably issues. She was married to just imagine being her husband and finding out not only she cheated on you, but the guy she cheated with was 13. Yeah. Just, That's a rough time. Oh, goodness. Um, so yeah, Shoe on Head made a post kind of like what you're saying that whenever people call out this type of language, like, you know, call it rape because it is, there's always guys who say like, oh, sounds good to me. Like, yeah. we're all these hot That drives me teachers. nuts. No, that does drive it me drives nuts. drives me nuts. You know, I think that as a society, like historically forever almost, we've never stigmatized male promiscuity, mm-hmm. like almost at all. But it's a very destructive behavior, right? Yeah. It's destructive, I think, for the men, but for everybody, right? Yeah, especially it's, it's like... You're, you're encouraging promiscuity to the point where it's like you're painting someone who is a victim and you're like, oh, good going, kid. It's like, no. Absolutely. This is, like, this is a child who is taken advantage of by someone who is not only older, like 
13 years old. Yeah. That is so young. She was 28. Um, I don't like I'm 24. I couldn't even see dating an 18 or a 19 year old because they're like they look like babies to me. Like I I I don't even know how how someone could look at a 13. Like you're a pedophile. You're you're literally oh, a pedophile. Yeah. Like and because like I think pedophiles specifically pre prepubescent children. Like at 13 male, I would call that like pretty prepubescent potentially. Um, and it, like South South Park spoofed this mentality in an episode. They actually had like one of the characters who was a kindergartner like get molested by his teacher, and because the teacher was hot, all the men in the town were like, "Nice, nice." It's like no, no, just because you want to and are capable of having consent consensual sex with this hot teacher. That doesn't mean the child is. Which I also, I still, even then, I still don't necessarily think that's the best idea, right? But that's a different story, I guess. What do you mean? Just male promiscuity is just promiscuity as a whole. Yeah, but and even like, like you know, this, this yeah. isn't promiscuity because it's like it's a, it's a. Victim. Well, it's just the idea that males are somehow different than females in yeah. terms of the way. That, like that's males are just like with, these innately you know? sexualized things that and can't a, help but like. Yeah. No. And that, it, that is, there's no harm to it at all. That also kind of bothers me. And I, I think that all I have to do is look at my friends who have been sleeping around who are in their late 20s, early 30s, and like, like their dating prospects as single men are awful. Yeah, you know? and it's, it's like, I, I feel kind of bad for these these boys now because you're potentially like, who knows what they're going through emotionally and everyone around you, potentially at least all the males are, are telling you, man, that's awesome. Yeah. They're shooing you into they're, that behavior that is, I think is destructive to yourself. Exactly. You know? And it's like, what, what is this kid supposed to think? What if he is feeling vulnerable? What, do you, what if he is feeling used? Like I'm not, and someone's going to say like, Oh, I, I know this always happens. Like, Oh, I had a sexual relationship with an older woman. when I was like, you know, a, a young person. I, and I turned out fine. It's like, okay, Maybe you turned out fine and like maybe someone who is like an adult now thinks, oh, yeah, at the point I, I would have liked the, the opportunity to do that. Um, doesn't matter. You weren't mentally capable of making that decision. Right. Even if it turns out that the, that decision didn't like ruin your life, you still weren't capable of making it at the time. Like you got lucky. Yeah. You didn't make a good decision for yourself. You just happened to make uh, what ended up not being a totally harmful decision, but it still doesn't mean that it, it, it was okay, that it should be encouraged or anything like that. And there's tons of testimonies from male victims, yeah. that, from female teachers, you know, that had their lives definitely shaken up in a major way. No, for sure. Um, and what's really annoying to me is that, you know, that if, for example, the teacher looked like, I don't know, Amy Schumer, or Rosie O'Donnell, yeah. no offense to them, but there wouldn't be all these guys coming to defend like, oh no, like the the, the kid knew what he was like, no. Right. Yeah, and it just, it just like, I, I don't know, if, if I were a mother and I had two children of the same age, like a boy and a girl, both like 12 or 13, I wouldn't feel comfortable just saying like, oh yeah, don't worry, like little boy, you can go out, but but it, the, not not the daughter, but you know, have at the boy, like older women, like no. It doesn't work like that, and it really shouldn't work like that because that's not fair to the to the little boys. Um, okay, next up, we're gonna go to women's sports, and I was like, okay, sports. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, I'm not a sports person. Yeah. Uh, if you follow like my social media at all, you will not see any sports tweets. So, tweets about or news about women's soccer was not something i was actively seeking out like this was no. thrust upon my timeline i wasn't like oh l let me check out that i don't think it's anybody nobody follows women's soccer that's the, that's well, the truth of we're gonna of get this, into yeah. that apparently that that is like statistically true um so like, essentially what happened is the u.s women's team uh, just had a victory and now people are using that once again to bring up the fact that female athletes 
don't get paid as well as male athletes. Like mm-hmm. it's the sports equivalent of the gender wage gap. And here's a piece from Vox that kind of explains this mentality. Uh, how the U.S. women's soccer team 13-0 World Cup win against Thailand became about pay equity. The U.S. national women's soccer team beat Thailand's team 13-0 Tuesday. In doing so, the players scored more goals than the men's national soccer team has scored in every World Cup series since 2006 combined. And the achievement has led to increased calls for their women to be paid the same as their male counterparts. Because that's how, like, pay works in sports. Like, yeah. how many goals total did you score? doesn't matter against two, but just... It has nothing to do with economics. Yeah, it's no, just, it's just, yeah. like, how many scores did you get? That should... Yeah, good. Uh, the U.S. women's soccer team is currently engaged in a lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation claiming its members face purposeful gender discrimination. The team is the best in the world for women and has been for a very long time. It won the World Cup title in 2015 and are the favorites this year as well. The men's team did not qualify for the last World Cup series, and its biggest ever World Cup wins were were two 3-0 victories against Belgium and Paraguay in 1930. Despite the women's history of successes on the field, the U.S. Soccer Federation pays women players far less than men. In fact, the group pays men more when they lose than it pays women when they win. Here's the disparity as outlined by ESPN. Among the numbers cited in the EEOC filing are that the women would earn $99,000 each if they won 20 friendlies, the minimum number they are required to play in a year. But the men would likely earn $263,000 each for the same feat and would get $100,000 even if they lost all 20 games. Additionally, the women get paid nothing for playing more than 20 games, while the men get between $5,000 and $17,625 for each game played beyond 20. Um, so, of course, this kind of like sparked a why, why is this happening? Just hate, hate women. I think that's it. I think yeah. that that's the answer to that. And also, like, like this, this is mirrored in other situations too. Like, should the Paralympics demand the same pay as the Olympics? Yes, because otherwise right. that's ableism. It's ableism in that case, right? So I'm, yeah. I mean, there's no other reason besides no. The way the way right? yeah the way economics work is that like if you do a thing, you have to get paid the same amount as every other person who does that thing. Right. So it's like if I were to start my own league, I should get paid as much as the NBA. That's a different sport, but that's fine. Um, because <laughs> at least you knew that. Yeah, I did. Because we're doing <laughs> the same thing, right? Um, and you know. Kamala Harris uh, jumped on this like whole like equal pay kind of bandwagon. She tweeted out, as the U.S. women's national team takes the field against Thailand today, the players are also fighting to be paid equally. Let's not forget the fight off the field. It's time we must pay our oh, U.S. soccer women, whatever, people equally. Elizabeth Warren tweeted out the same thing or similar sentiments. Um, U.S. women's, U.S. soccer women's national team, is that it? I don't know. U.S. Women's National Team. U.S. Women's National Team. Okay, uh, thank you. Uh, Is number one in the world and contributes higher revenues for U.S. soccer than the men's team. Okay, we're going to get back to that later. Uh, But they're still paid a fraction of what the men earn. Women deserve equal pay for equal or better work in offices, factories, and on the soccer field. So, like, the whole idea that, like, the women's team is better than the men's team. Like, we're... Okay, we're going to talk about how players are actually paid, right? Like where that money actually comes from. It's not like there's like this like magical like money bin and then it's just like we hate women so you get less of the money bin. Yeah. And then the men get more because penises. Okay. Athletes are paid and I think this pretty much applies to like every like you know soccer, basketball, um 
what are other sports? Hockey is another yeah. one. Uh, I said basketball. Yeah. So like with all of these things, the athletes are paid based on advertising revenue. Uh, and ticket sales. And, yeah. and ticket sales, right? Yeah. But I, I feel like it's, it's mostly advertising for things is, like the, the World Cup stuff where it's yeah. like... The, TV deals, but it's all related. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the thing is like, yeah, if, if a lot of people watch the sport, um, you know, they're able to do ticket sales and they're also able to put ads like in the re- arena, commercial breaks, your uniforms, whatever... And that's where the money comes from. It's like these these brands who want more people to like know about their brand. And you're you're kind of just like a platform for brands to get to consumers. Brands do this in the hopes that the consumer is going to give them money. So it's, yeah, I mean, just generally how advertising works. The thing is, and like we confirmed this after, like we kind of looked it up. Uh, it's what we suspected, but not as many people watch women's sports. And it's like, it's yeah. not even, Who'd it's not thought? close. It's like a fraction of the people mm-hmm. who watch men's sports, watch women's sports. Um, so that's why they're paid less because there's less money that's being made from them playing. Um, and, you know, it's not like athletes are just paid based on like their sheer athleticism. Like you just being an athlete generates money. Although I have to say, even if it did, the men are still better athletes well, that, than that's what I, the I mean, women. That's the way I see it is. When people want to watch a sport, they want to see the highest caliber Yeah, the, the of strongest, the fastest, whatever. Like even in the UFC, like where you have men and women, the women don't get paid as much, but there are some women that really have stood out. But you even see small men versus large men, you know, like a 125 yeah. pound division. They don't make the same kind of money that the guys do in the heavier divisions at 180 plus sort of thing, because we want to see the highest level of competition possible that's what's interesting yeah and i mean the the whole reason why we segregate sex or sex segregate sports um is because if we didn't all the players winners whatever all the athletes would be men anyway so like the fact that we even have a women's division is saying like you can't play as well because of your sex which isn't your fault you can still be one of the best women out there um so we're gonna have a separate category for you but then we let trans men and trans women in so so they might all be men anyways in the end yeah um yeah so it 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 kind of it frustrates me that people like kamala harris and elizabeth warren who i mean they must know how this works right like how they, they they know where this money comes from they know what what decisions are going into this pay and they're still tweeting stuff out like this and i think it's the only sport where they could they have a chance of doing this that's why they're picking it because it's the only one where the women's team really does massively outperform the men's team because yeah. of a variety of reasons but, but and i think the point they're trying to make is like oh well you know the the women's team like they're our national champions where the men don't even like get into the like yeah. don't even qualify but it's like Okay, if you win at a thing that 30 people watch, but you fail to qualify for a thing that like hundreds, if not thousands of people watch, it's still, you're still going to be bringing in more money losing in front of the bigger audience. Maybe that doesn't seem fair, but it's like, it's just how, how, how the money works. Like, I I don't know how else, how else to say that. And just, it really, I was looking at through, through some of the tweets that were kind of tweeting about this and it just it really shocked me how people are kind of taking this to mean that our society doesn't value women yeah. it's like that like what like how do you how do you think money ha- I, I don't know where these people think the money for sports comes from and it's like actually one of the things that we because after elizabeth warren said that the, the u.s women's soccer team brings in more than the men we actually looked it up because we were like is that true it's not no it's not true um, and not only do they not bring in more revenue than the men, but it turns out they like as a percentage of the revenue that they bring in, the women actually get paid a higher percentage than the men. So it's like a lower number total, but of the revenue that the team brings in, they get a higher percentage. Yeah. So like I don't know. That's that's I thought was an interesting thing. Um, 
so sorry, lady athletes. Um, I guess the the consolation is that even if you aren't paid as much as the men, you are still paid, I think, very, very well. Yeah, Those I had a grand still... American per year to play soccer. I mean, it's tough. It's tough work. But yeah, I that's mean, th- that's still, you know, a lot. And I hope with like endorsement deals and stuff, you can make even more than that, like like the men do as well. But yeah, uh, yeah lady sports, what are you going to do? Um, okay, so now we're going to go into the, the Q&A part. I see there's already, do you want to read out? I think there's one on screen right now for the Super Chat while I pull the rest of them up. Sure. <clears throat> okay, we have a, a Super Chat from Top Dog 8762 How does most of the housework, uh, housework, sorry, so who does most of the housework in your household? Lauren, Liam, or Jellybean? Hmm. Well, we don't actually live together. No, but no, we're engaged. Yeah. Um, Jellybean. Jelly. Well, it's, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> she causes very, most of the housework, at least. She definitely does. I'm not very good, and I will be the first to yes. say this. I'm not. Sorry, even, I'll be, I'm the first to say it, actually. You're the second to say yeah, it, but go ahead. I mean, I'm not good at like uh, at cleaning. I'm yeah. not like a... He is way more... Conscientious like, with that no, kind of thing? Not, well, with that, with he's, that the, he's tidier than I am, yeah. for sure. But, you know, they say creative people and, like, you know, super high IQ people tend to be kind of messier as uh, well. So yeah, is, that, is that it? I think that's, like, that's probably it a little bit. Um, okay, um, so Gavin McKingus, thanks again, um, says, any possibilities to interview Ann Coulter? I have reached out to Ann Coulter in the past, but it's not like, it's not always easy to get a hold of these people, which is fair enough. They have huge platforms. They're busy. It's like, I actually sent a message to Andrew Yang on his, um, like his social media profile. Uh, Brave man, mad lad has DMs open, but it's like when you're a smaller platform, it is harder to get a hold of them. So, I mean, we can keep trying. If you guys want to tweet at them as well, that that could help, but it's definitely, yeah, it's not always like a short thing when they're as big. Um, Oh, Stan says you're slipping, Lauren. You aren't on the NYT photo, like that photo of all the right wing YouTubers. Okay, I'm not gonna Phil lie. Phil was though. That was weird. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not gonna lie. There was a part of me, like when I saw, it, like I was looking for myself, like, oh, am I gonna be on it? And I wasn't. Which, like, ultimately, like, like I'm not saying that I don't feel left out, but also it's like that kind of thing. Like, it does, it does hurt. It does hurt you when people keep calling you a radical or like, I, I mean, I have that right wing whatever watch piece. Uh, by Jared Holt, like about like enabling white supremacy that is my face. I'm like, you don't want stuff like that. It's yeah, it might be like this weird ego trip where you're wondering why they aren't calling you that if they're calling all the other conservatives that, but ultimately still a good thing to not be labeled a radical. Um <laughs> Stan says, Hey Caleb Kane, hope she notices you now, bud. Yeah, I mean I'll just leave it at that. Uh Luke Slick Luke Slivkoff says thank you roaming for radicalizing this normie without your channel i would never have found my favorite alt-right youtubers like dave rubin matt christensen and steven crowder keep it up thank you and for any uh potential journalist activists who might be watching that was a joke and none of those people are actually alt-right uh self-made woman says interviewer of google ceo needs to work on her voice if she wants to be taken seriously just saying okay that is not my not my opinion no one yell at me um from Vox, please. Uh, Odin Allfather says, notice me, Lauren Senpai. Uh, you were noticed. Uh, Mandatory Carrie says, keep fighting. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. And Stan again, um, Matt C did a video on this. Women's players also get paid when they are injured slash don't play, whereas men, whereas the men don't. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, when questioned about that and strangely diverted answering if they would give that up. Hmm. Interesting. 
Uh, Joe Kim says materialistic dualism is the truth. I'm not even sure. I don't even know. Yeah, that was that. a big philosophical statement. Yeah. That, that's what that was. Okay. But... I think we're all cut up now, right? No. No, there's a couple more. Uh, did you, you just refresh that? Oh, no, I did not. Okay. Do you want me to read them? Yes. Okay. Miles Kinslow. Hey, guys. You know why Trump doesn't wear glasses? Because he has 2020. I've seen I've heard. I've heard that. I do like that. Have a nice day. Bring on leftist tears. <laughs> Thank you, Miles. Self-made woman. Uh oh, there's some Latin here. I think. Eper si muave, muave, muave. Sorry. Should be the rallying cry for gender critical folks. Consider this as a hashtag. Oh. Maybe you just said something bad. Uh, yeah. What did you just make me say? I don't know what that means. Yeah. But. Um, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And then I, Odin Allfather uh, gave another one. Why doesn't Lauren notice me? I think that was a redo. Sorry. Like we do, uh, we do try to wait usually until the end of the show to to do all of these. But I thanks think... for the dono, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And actually, wait, this, this I I literally just noticed this the other day, and I wanted to get on it. YouTube is not showing us our super chat revenue. Oh yeah. I don't know what's happening with that. Uh, I don't know if that's like a system wide thing or just our channel, but literally, it's like showing us nothing. Um. So I hope like YouTube's keeping track of this and not just taking it all for themselves or whatever. I'm sure it's just a glitch. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, yeah. And Stan also asked if you're coming to the Minds event. Be nice to meet you. Yeah. That's the plan. That's so definitely far. the plan. Yeah. yeah. And um, for anyone who's watching and isn't aware, um, I think it's August 31st. We're going to be in Philadelphia. I think it is or somewhere near that area. Um, you can go to I think it's irl.minds.com. Let me just check really quick. Um, we're going to be doing a, a little like one day conference thing with the people from the the MythCon guys or the organizers. Yeah. They, they do great a great dudes. job. They've also teamed up with like uh, Bill Ottman from the Minds platform and Tim Pool, his his new, uh, I guess, like platform he's working or videos he's working on with Subverse to do this one day conference about like all these different political issues. Um, yeah, so it's irl.minds.com. Uh, you can use the code Lauren if you want to get tickets. You're going to save a little bit of money if you do. And yeah, I'm on two panels, moderating one and participating in another about immigration. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Sargon's going to be there. Blair White. Um, gosh, just so Stan many people. Stan will be there. Yeah, Stan will be there. It's going to be great. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess, like promote this event as well, because I think it's it's rare that we have people of different political opinions. And really, there are like whole swaths of political opinions yeah. represented. We have like progressives, conservatives, uh, like classical liberals, centrists, whatever, all there. Um, it's rare to see us like come together. So I, I think it's really great what they're doing. Hopefully people will see it and like, oh, look, no one got radicalized. The universe didn't explode. They just talked and it was fine. So um encourage you to come. If, you, if you're if you not in the area, can't make it out, we're going to try to, I think, you know, post any panels on there. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's all we have to say for now. And thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.